Hello everyone, welcome back to Crop 28. This is Jesse. Really excited to share this next interview with you with Leon Ranscht, who's a 23, 23 year old farmer from Germany. It was great to hear a farmer's perspective on this podcast. And actually, I was just on Twitter, I saw a picture of him speaking on behalf of the World Farmers Organization at a official plenary at COP. So that was really fun to see after, after doing the interview. So I hope you enjoy. All right, hello everyone. Welcome back to Crop 28. Really happy to be joined by Leon Funcht, who is a 23-year-old farmer from Germany. He's also currently finishing his master's degree in agricultural economics, so I'm really excited to talk to him today. Um, so the first question, can you just give a little bit of an introduction about yourself, how did you get into farming, and why are you here at Cop? Hi, uh, good afternoon. I'm grown up on a family farm in central Germany. We do uh, around 800 hectares of wheat, barley, canola and sugar beet and yeah I started supporting my parents. I always went with them with the tractor when I was in a kindergarten I, when I wanted to go for sleeping then I had to go to the tractor and yeah later then I also thought yeah I was first wanted to go into biology research and they said there is no job opportunity for this so you should do something with economics and agriculture seemed to me for this the best approach to combine a little bit by my focus into research and also finding a job maybe in the end and during my studies i really involved my passion at that moment to really go into practical agriculture as i'm probably going in five years around after my finishing studies and yeah, doing now after that probably a phd Great, thank you. And I believe you're here with the World Farmers Organization. Can you tell us a little bit about that organization and your relationship to it? So in our country, in all around the world, farmers are doing farmers unions at that moment to better articulate their voice and their needs to, yeah, to policy. And the World Farmers Organization is providing this on a global level. So for the negotiations that are taking part here currently at COP28, we needed to have like a very yeah a voice that combines it and that is doing the WFO and since for since four years now they started to establish a youth panel because for agriculture we are an old business a very conservative business often so it's interesting to know what will the next generation do when they want to take over and how can they make laws or, or considerations now for example on COP that really fit for the young generation. And how did um, you personally end up getting to COP here? Yeah, for me it was once we have an international green week and this is a, a big trade fair where all agricultural products are presented in, in Berlin for one week in January. And I really like this trade fair and get into contact with other countries and also their agricultural products. Uh, and there the farmers union, I got in con into contact with our farmers union that I really would like to get to know more countries and now the WFO uh, was providing their this program, WFO Gymnasium, where they picked from each farmers union they have all around the world, one farmer getting into touch and bringing them, enhancing them to going to such a conference and getting to know what's happening here. Great, thank you. Um, and because we're at COP here talking about climate change, have you, in your experience farming, seen any effects of climate change on farming? Or just as a young farmer, what do you see um, in the future? How is climate change going to affect farming? 
For us at home, we always complain a little bit about the weather, like my grandfather probably did it, my father does it, and yeah, I'm I'm raised in that, in that mood a little bit. So the rainfall is always on the other side of the mountain, and we are not getting it. Still, at the same time, I believe we still have the hottest year, and we really suffer by that, by early... Yeah, we have like a little bit more erratic rainfall patterns that we have an early summer drought. I'm coming from the driest region in Germany. We have 450 millimeters of rainfall, so it always was interesting to. Yeah, it always was was important to to be very efficient in the way how we are solving this. For now. For now, I think we, we try to adopt. So we, we adopted our tillage practices, which are way more extensive now. Extensive in terms that we reduce our tillage practices. And it's also, yeah, the cultivars are a little bit earlier. We have more winter, winter crops. And I think there's an ongoing change still. Yeah, it's also going on over the last 20 years. Right. And just in terms of the future, do you have any um, fears or thoughts about how climate change is going to affect it stuff in the future? For us, it's uh, really the ambition that we want to be more prepared for for those events if they happen. So we try to to look that we would be able to irrigate maybe one day to get the risks to really get the risks out of our production system and really be able to also yeah also crop. So when 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 it's when the the situation is not so likely as as it was maybe before, yeah. And you've already talked about I think a few examples of this, and a lot of the discussion here that I've been hearing at COP is about how farmers can be more resilient and adapt to climate change. So what are some practices that on your farm you use for adaptation or resilience? For our farm, on the one hand, I think the overarching concept that we try to to do is that we want to make better decisions locally. So, yeah, I just had my last course at, at the university. It was a little bit off agri-economics, it was on GIS. So we, we, I tried to understand how can I make so much decisions very locally using in that moment precision agriculture also to do that. This is maybe one option, but in general I think it's the, the most important is to really make the right decision. I think that's the thing where we are still sometimes looking for like that missing on file field trials especially for our region are at that moment not available and I think there we can really have a good impact on on on, on reaching our goal and producing very good okay great thank you um, and I was reading a tweet actually from the world farmers organization that said farmers in rural communities face unique challenges with limited low emission options as we move toward decarbonizing economies it's crucial that this transition not only preserves but also enhances the viability and well-being of farmers and rural communities so how can we ensure that farmers are protected in the just transition to renewable energy <coughs> Okay, that was a little bit quick. I'm oh, German. Sorry. That's it. <laughs> sorry, we can read it here on the computer. Right. So, rural communities. Okay. Yeah, so renewable energies in that moment is for our farm a very, very important step. In Germany, we are facing that we phase out fossil fuels in 2035 currently, and. This is a very ambitious goal and we try to support this like 10 years ago we started with biogas fermenting in our region it was very extensively and also had some yeah, really land rent pressure in our region so it's quite controversial also in terms of fossil food versus fuel so now it's more the trend that we 
large windmills which are also contributing in that moment to our farming income and are really likely making making farming business as managing large land masses where you can have those windmills more attractive also for us as young farmers. And just for my own curiosity, something I've kind of been learning about is agrivoltaic, so including solar panels on farms. Have you all considered that, or do you know any people in your region that use that? Yeah, I believe it's really dependent on the way how you are farming. In Germany, farm, yeah, probably every country says that their farming is very diversified and they do such very different things. For us, we produce large commodities or very on a high quality with high protein contents and high yields. So wheat, grain, or grains or oil seeds, oil seed rape that are all made on large plots. There I, I'm a little bit skeptical if it's so easy to implement without reducing the big benefits that we have by our producing in scale. Still I think that there are like intensive cultures where you where they even can have good advantages like shadowing in that moment in the apple production or I think it depends on the production system for us at home currently it's not an option maybe in future if it gets more more efficient okay and actually I think you were touching on it a little bit another thing I'm curious about is just I'm not as familiar with the the German agricultural system so what is it like in terms of the balance of small farms versus big farms industrial versus organic stuff like that if you could give us an overview uh, I know it changes probably region to region but just overall like what the what the German farm and farm system looks like uh, the goal of Germany is to have 30% of, of organic farming. Currently we are 10%. So, And this is also a little bit of market demand driven. So if there would be market demand, I think a lot of farmers would be willing to, to change. So the goal to have 2030 or 2025, 30%, I think that's not, not the feasible option currently. In terms of the sizes and land sizes, it's differing a lot by north-south. In the south, they've got very small plots and had a different kind of heritage and in the north part it's larger plots around yeah, making average shares of 20 hectares and then there is one point that's very specific i think for germany we are a unified country so we had western germany and eastern germany until 1990 and in eastern germany all of the farms had to close during the eastern german time and only some reopened and also the plots during eastern germany time were, were made way larger and so there's a large gap in the way how they produce in that moment. Okay, that's interesting about the organic goal. Um, are you, does, is your form organic? And if, if so, why? And if, if not, why? You're talking about some of those market considerations. What What is the thought behind for a farmer choosing to be organic or not? Generally, we, we talk about three phases of organic agriculture in that moment, how they change and how they how they produce their markets beginning in the 1950s where only where it was a really small niche going into 2000s where it got really in first time into supermarket in a special special part and now it's really broadly available if you go through the supermarkets it's always you have the option how you want it you want it for special animal welfare you want it just very cheap or you want also to have it organic um, once again the question yeah oh just what are, for you personally what have been the considerations on your farm about being organic or not so now, now after the COVID crisis, where there was a large push, we really considered about going into that field. Still, at the same time, since we are doing more on commodities, we are and are in Eastern Germany located. We really have our comparing benefit by by the large scales, 
and that's currently not represented in a 10% share of the organic sector. All right, thank you. And then just as a young farmer, what, what challenges do you face in that and how has that experience been being a young farmer? So in general, as a young farmer, I just studied and there are really some people also willing to, to start farming from who don't have a farm, like, like me, for example. And that's pretty hard because it's a business where you need a lot of money just to get your farm running. You need to have the land, then you can get the access to finance often. And yeah, if you're not heriting or if you're not born in 1990 where there was like a new wave of founding, then it's not so easy to start. There we are looking really for solutions, especially in rural Europe, for like to match farms or to found, find somebody to really go into the structural change that we also don't want to, to be so drastic. So getting even larger farms and yeah, in general and losing the family farms. I think those are cutting issues. For me, it's for me myself, yeah, I have to discuss with my little sister. Okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> great. Uh, and kind of related to that, just about being having a family farm. What what are your thoughts on that? Is that a family tradition? Was it instilled in you that it was important to keep this tradition going? Uh, were you given the decision to either continue or not? How has that all worked out? For me, uh, there was never the pressure to 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 do it. I could also do something different. Still. Mentally, for me, I think it would be a hard loss if I, after what is it, ten generations now, stop farming at our place. It, it feels bad, and it also is. I think we have this structure at our place that it could be really, we could have a good impact on large landmasses. It could really be very environmental friendly. We could cope with climate, and it is prof profitable. I think. I think. Yeah, if you don't use it, it would be a, it would be a shame to not do it. And now, just talking about COP a little bit, were you following that uh, that recent big de declaration on sustainable agriculture that the country signed? And if so, do you have any thoughts on that? So the declaration, I think, was now the start a little bit. I believe, like having those strategy papers in general above, really, like we have in Europe, the farm fork strategy a little bit, and it's hardly discussed uh, for. For farmers, if it's right or wrong, or what is right and what is wrong, but I believe general t t to have the discussion, to take a lead in that, and also to 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 know how it will in future impacts our climate. I think that's a good approach, and doing that on a global level makes it even more fairer. That yeah, because in the end we are all comparing on the world market. I hope so, if it's possible for everyone. And I know you've only been at COP for a couple of days, and this is my first COP too, but do you have any sense about if you feel that farmers have been engaged in this conversation enough in the development of these agreements, or is there a place to improve in terms of making sure that farmers' voices are heard in these big negotiations? Uh, I've heard yesterday the, the sentence that you rather be on the table than on the menu, and this is a little bit the way how, how the WFO, I think, tries to to to, to be on the table to really be able to to negotiate also on that on the topics that are relating to farmers all around the world at that moment so if we would not be here somebody else would pick the place and would frame it in a way that could be could be could be in that moment way worse for for the way how farming is possible and I think there's still some stake for for farmers to to to, to, have, to keep their business running and to keep it into the goals of the that we want to achieve with, with COP28.
Great, thank you. And then just for you personally, what are what have you been doing at COP? What are you doing for the rest of the of the time? And what are your goals for the if you'd like to see any anything other agreements happen? Or what what are you looking for for the rest of this COP? For me, was I think the point I wanted to bring home to my my young farmers organization. Yeah, what is happening here in that moment? Who are the actors? Who has the power? And who who decides in the end what? And for me myself, it's yeah, I am I'm building a little bit the network now, also with the World Farmers Organization, but also with the other young organizations, and also a little bit on the going to the pavilions and having really talks about what is going on in the country to understand that. So my own curiosity is, I think. That's that are the leading leading drivers, I think, for me here on COP. And are you here with a group of young farmers from around the world? That's right. Okay. That's right. What is that? What has that experience been like talking talking to different young farmers around the world? It's quite interesting that they all that we can still that we in the first moment we can have a very nice discussion because we kind of try to relate to each other, even if they are farming on a different business and have really different crops so like the basic factors that you have to consider are similar and that makes talking very easy and getting easy into discussions okay great those are all the questions i had but i wanted to give you space in case was there anything that we didn't talk about that you'd like to talk about or any resources you'd like to share if people want more information about either the world farmers organization or stuff that you're doing I would happily invite you to, to Germany if you have the chance and visit one of the farms to really understand how it works. I think that's that's a really good good observation in that moment that you can take and I think that I would really recommend.